0: And welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, our increasingly noisy world and how it's affecting us. A building boom in Auckland, open-plan offices and classrooms, and urban intensification—it's all bringing us closer to one another and our noise. Insights reporter Teresa Cowie has been out on the streets and into homes, asking about noise levels and what all that racket is doing to our well-being. The Neighbours Party at
1: 3am. To the oh-so-unnecessary three tones for every sheet of paper coming off the office printer. Which noises annoy you the most?
0: This guy's snoring.
1: (laughs) How bad? What's it like?
0: I think it's the rhythm where you're just starting to sleep and it just yanks you out of that and then you start settling in again and it's back. It kills me. My wife would be like, what's wrong? And I'd be like, I'm not even talking to you.
2: When you're lying in bed at night and you can hear cars zooming past and the road noise is terrible. Yeah, and especially when the road isn't just smooth, tussy or when it's gravelly, it's much noisier.
3: We once lived in London and lived in a lovely old flat, but it was obviously built before modern sound insulation standards and we could hear every noise from the guy living in the flat above. You could hear literally everything going on in the bathroom, which happened to be directly above our bedroom. So be lying in bed at night or in the morning and literally hearing this chap above using the loo directly above our heads, it was a very disconcerting experience. When I'm in a different toilet that's not at home, and there's a hand dryer, and it goes... Blood. It makes me cover my ears.
1: It's annoying, distracting and has a tendency to get in the way of a good night's sleep. But what exactly is noise? This acoustics consultant says that's largely up to us.
4: We need to separate the concepts of noise and sound. So sound is simply the uh, pressure waves hitting your eardrum that is being perceived by the brain. Noise is a type of sound that is something you don't want to hear. So it becomes noise depending on its character, depending on its level and depending on whether or not you like it.
1: If you live or work in central Auckland, you could be forgiven for thinking the world is getting (coughs) noisier. There's a building boom underway in the city, apartments, a shopping centre, a new underground railway... All that and changes to planning rules mean more homes can be built on less land, and increasingly Aucklanders will be living more on top of one another, making all this noise seem inescapable. And the building of Auckland's underground city rail link and a shopping centre at Britomart is a very noisy business indeed.
4: So you can see on this building here um, on on the on the um, second level, there's a uh, a noise monitor attached to the side of the building that's recording sound level twenty four seven.
1: James Whitlock is, is a consultant at Marshall Day Island. Acoustics, a, uh, which specialises uh, in noise mitigation for industry, business, schools and homes. and he's responsible for keeping the noise here in check. He's pointing out microphones attached to buildings which are monitoring the noise and vibration coming off the site. If they go over a certain level, he and the construction team are alerted and have to either down tools or change the way they're working.
4: So when it comes to the effects of noise on people, there are uh, national standards that govern that. In order for a large project like this to even get the green light, there need to be conditions put in place that make sure that noise from construction is managed to such a level that it, it doesn't affect their lives too much. Those standards allow a bit more noise than would normally be allowed in an u- urban environment because construction is a noisy activity, but it's temporary. I mean, temporary may even in this case mean you know many years, but it's an effect that will occur and then will cease once the project is completed.
1: The noise and vibrations coming off the site can be irritating for those around it and it's likely to take six long years to finish We can hear a sort of full orchestra, full range of the construction noises here What are some of the worst or most annoying sounds that people have problems with from a construction site like this?
4: Uh, so we find that saw cutting, so uh, cutting concrete with a concrete saw is one of the, yeah, one of the loudest <laughs> sounds. Uh, yeah. Also rock breaking, that sort of percussive, dick, 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 dick sound. Yeah. Um, a lot of the construction, especially on, uh, in an in a area that's already built up, involves a lot of demolition. And so you need to be breaking up concrete and munching it up into small enough parts to cart off site. And so that breaking down of concrete and other you know, steel and other large materials, that tends to be the loudest activity that we deal with.
1: And what are some of the ways that you try to reduce the sound or protect these um, residents' buildings around here from the sound?
4: Uh, Rule number one when it comes to acoustic management is to do something about the source of the sound. So let's say we were going to break up a concrete slab. There are noisier ways to do that and there are quieter ways to do that. So we would guide the project into trying to adopt the quieter ways of doing that. Time frame is also an issue. You might be able to use one device which would take say three weeks to break up the slab or you can make one great big thump and break up the slab you know in in half a day those are the extremes Uh, so choosing the methodology is actually a really important method of managing noise Uh, we can use enclosures around activities that 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 occur in a particular location say uh, concrete cutting there are enclosures that have been designed essentially like a little hut that's on wheels around a concrete saw so as the saw moves the Little hut can move with it and, okay. and keep a bit of a shroud around it. Um, there's the uh, the hoardings which around inside the there corridor. are yeah sort of yeah. Um, two metre two and a half metre plywood uh, barriers which um, reduce the noise level for people down on street level, but not so much if you're up in a building and you can see over those uh, barriers and into the construction site.
1: James Whitlock says although the noise can be difficult to take short-term pain for the long-term gain of a better city. But as temporary as the building site is, it's still going to be years of noise. So how does being exposed to noises we don't want to hear affect us and our health? Peter Thorne, a professor of audiology at the University of Auckland's medical school, says it's more than just an annoyance.
2: We're starting to realise that it has quite multiple effects and it's a stress. So I think that's a very important thing. It's a stressor which actually can have effects on your hearing. So that's the sort of auditory side of things which we have a lot of information about. But we're also starting to realise that it has a lot more effects on general health, in particular cardiovascular health and a number of other conditions that do actually mean that it has more generalised effects on health.
1: And Professor Thorne says if your bedroom's near an airport, you're at even greater risk.
2: A lot of the interesting work around the extra health effects and in particularly in cardiovascular disease has come from some studies which has looked at airport noise for example and if you look in areas like in Amsterdam and in the UK that there is a higher incidence or prevalence of cardiovascular disease in areas around airports which in fact uh, has been pegged back potentially to excessive noise.
1: When it comes to heart conditions and heart issues how is that connected to the noise is it is it all because of the effect of the stress?
2: Yeah it's an interesting question we've sort of recognized that there is actually a stress component um, and so there are hormonal effects which actually can lead to additional cardiovascular effects and also the the other part of it is actually really also around fatigue and sleep deprivation Um, so that then comes from the inability to be able to to sleep because of the the noise the environmental noise and that itself can then have a deleterious or, or raised cortisol levels and and hormonal levels that can lead to a stress response.
1: We've been programmed by evolution to treat sounds as possible sources of danger. When your brain's been put on high alert, getting to sleep or staying asleep can be hard. And even if we do manage to drift off, the quality of sleep might be degraded. Because even while you're sleeping, your body might still be reacting to the noise around, causing you to have a racing heart, to toss and turn, or wake up. So if living with unwanted noise is so bad for our health, how can we try to design it out of our lives? When it comes to keeping noise out of our houses and apartments, the materials used are everything. So I'm meeting with acoustics consultant Sean King, who's going to use a virtual reality simulator to show me what difference building materials and design can make to soundproofing an apartment. Apparently, immersing myself in the noise by seeing, as well as hearing, is key. Time to grab some virtual reality goggles. I'm in the Marshall Day acoustics listening room, and it's a bit of a padded salon here, surrounded by little speakers and I'm going to have this virtual reality experience where I'm going to be looking in here and uh, I can see an apartment and hear what it might sound like if I've got my stereo up or if my neighbours have got it up. So um, I'll just give this a try and be transported into this very smart looking Swedish apartment. Okay.
5: So the wall to your left is an identical apartment and... We're going to play the stereo within this apartment you're in at the moment, and you can adjust the volume to what you think is a acceptable level.
1: Okay, so I'm in my apartment kicking back and playing, oh, yep. am I controlling the volume? You are controlling the volume. Okay. And is that an acceptable level?
5: Well, I guess you've got to think about what you'd like to listen to on a Saturday afternoon, having a wine.
1: Oh, having a wine probably a bit louder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: Um, so now I can. Um, so now what you're listening to is that in the adjacent apartment.
1: Okay, so it's wines in the apartment next door now. Yep. A bit of and you're, music. And you're trying okay.
5: to relax after a hard day at work.
1: Uh huh. Or we'll get the baby to sleep or something. Yep. Oh, that's annoying.
5: <laughs> so this is what we call a lightweight wall, which is just plasterboard and timber studs. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have a concrete wall between you and the neighbour, and uh, I can demonstrate that next.
1: Okay. Yeah, there's a definite sort of thud going on yep. you can't actually enjoy the good parts of the music just the annoying bass yeah.
5: so now you listening to a concrete wall
1: i could barely hear anything at all with that concrete wall but while there might be some ways to seal ourselves up in our homes away from the noise we can't always have total control what about the noise we have to endure at work Improvements to health and safety equipment and procedures mean agriculture and industry workers are better protected from loud noises than they once were. But the widespread adoption of open office spaces is causing its fair share of grumbles about noises and distractions. So I've brought Victoria University's Dr Jeff Plimmer to this open plan office to find out a bit more about how the noise from this type of space might affect our work.
3: It varies depending on the circumstances, but one study found that no noise, particularly if the task was routine, could be, in a, bit, in a sense, a bit harmful to productivity. Some noise uh, could actually be stimulating and help people maintain focus on a fairly routine task, but too much noise becomes overstimulating or stressful and seem to lower productivity. And the authors of this study wrote it to the Yerkes-Dodson Law, which is the curvilinear relationship of stress that some stimulation or stress is good for us, but too much becomes harmful.
1: Dr Plymmer is the director of the University School of Management and researches workplaces and how they affect our productivity.
3: So if I look at open plan offices, there seems to be a trend for them getting more condensed and smaller, both internationally and in New Zealand. In New Zealand, since the Christchurch earthquake, uh, government has had a focus on shrinking the the meterage area per worker, one of the efficiency gains that were recognised that came out of that exercise, out of Christchurch. And with that, the chance of being interrupted or overhearing conversations has increased, and the research shows that that seems to have some quite negative effects on people in terms of uh, the sense of higher workloads, ability to focus, to concentrate, to be productive at work.
1: While cost is a very enticing factor for businesses, it's not the main reason presented to workers for breaking down the walls.
3: The original reason it was promoted was to encourage office communication and there's mixed research whether it does on that. And that probably depends on the nature of the job, whether the job really requires that or not, and as well as leadership and other things.
1: But he says the research suggests frustration and stress from the extra noise can undo all that.
3: It seems to increase the possibility of poor workplace interactions such as conflict and negative outcomes like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Most people that worked in an open plan office would know that uh, particularly if it's conflict with co-workers it's harder to deal with. If it's a really great community then that's that can be fantastic but the consequences of a poor relationship seem to be higher uh, and that's obviously stressful to people. And also Psychologically, just the experience of overhearing conversations uh, seems to be stressful in itself, and that shows up in the reported higher perceived workload. There's a little bit of research that shows some noise, some stimulation, people around you can improve productivity for routine tasks, but when work is more complicated and difficult, uh, such as policy or law or sort of general professional work, then the presence of other people is stressful. Uh, there's also loss of privacy, both you know, your personal sound privacy, of being able to talk confidentially to people, uh, and also visual privacy, and those, those are stressors.
1: Jeff Plymer says the noise can have the opposite effect to collaboration, with people coming into work early or staying late to mark out quiet time to actually get their work done. He says this can increase workload and stress, which can also increase staff turnover, which increases costs and cuts into the savings businesses can make on paying for less office space. (laughs) And it's not just office workers facing larger, more open-plan spaces to work in. Uh, The walls are coming down for teachers and pupils too. All over New Zealand, the Ministry of Education is moving away from traditional one-room, one-class type classrooms and building what are known as innovative learning environments. This classroom would take 75 students, yeah, 75. and so roughly that would be three traditional classrooms. Yeah, three traditional but classroom. there are a lot more spaces here than just three spaces, aren't there? How many have we got here? What sort of spaces?
6: Oh, we've got one large breakout space, which is probably sort of equivalent to a, you know, that's more equivalent to probably sort of about two thirds of a classroom, and then two other small breakout spaces in here that are probably. You know, three metres by five metres, um, and then there's lots of, sort of little nooks and crannies.
1: Chris Bradbear is associate principal at Stonefield School in Auckland. He's also a research fellow on the Innovative Learning Environments and Teacher Change project at the University of Melbourne, which looks at how teachers work together in the new style classrooms. The small rooms off the main teaching area, known as breakout rooms, suit different types of learning activities.
6: In some of these breakout spaces have, have been treated slightly differently acoustically. So this one, for example, you know, it's got a thickness of the walls, it's got a um, double glazing mm-hmm. with an airspace, and so this is used for a little bit more music and things like that. Mm-hmm. Similarly, we've got a couple of rooms that were probably the next level up in terms of um, acoustic treatment, which are just down in, in, in Hub 7 where... You know, to be honest, learners can be playing the drums or the electric guitar not too loudly and you can't um, you can't really hear it.
1: One sealed off with double glazed doors for writing and quiet work. Another looks like a music studio with thick padded walls and musical instruments. A wet area for art supplies is shared by the various classrooms. In this purpose-built school, all of the walls and most of the furniture are covered with soft coverings that absorb noise. But compromises have to be made. So there are still a few surfaces that reflect noise, like whiteboards and bench tops, and the lino floors in the art area. Chris Bradbeer says the glass doors that separate the various breakout rooms, including this one, sometimes used to edit video and music recordings, have to stay.
6: Obviously, it is glazed, which acoustically is, you know, then becomes a bit of a reflective surface. But in a teaching and learning context, especially in a primary school, we have a a duty of care, if you like. So, visibility and what you might call passive surveillance, for want of a better word, is an important thing. Um, So, that's a little bit of a trade off. How
5: many people
4: have got a list of eight things?
1: So, what might all the noise produced by several classes of children in one connected place do to a child's learning if it's not kept in check? Chris Bradbeer says just like it does for adults, noise gets on children's nerves too, and it's hard for them to stay focused and pay attention to the task at hand.
6: When you're in an environment that um, that acoustically doesn't work, you know, thinking about well, how do you feel? And you might be headachey. You might be you know a bit antsy you might be a bit worrisome you might be unable to focus so in terms of learning outcomes you know how that can actually manifest itself is in you know children not feeling settled it could be in terms of comprehension and you know there's some you know there's evidence to suggest that actually the low frequency sounds you know, air conditioning is a, is a wonderful example that can actually start masking some of the consonants we use. So if you're an English, you know, as a second language learner and you're trying to learn the difference between Zs and Cs and Ts and Ss, then some of those sometimes with, you know, with some sort of low frequency air conditioning systems can get lost.
1: It's also hard on teachers.
6: From the teacher's point of view, it could be around you know like voice fatigue because they always feel they're having to raise their voice you know 10 to 15 decibels above the, um, above the, the norm, if you like, in order to, to make themselves heard. So that's a real consideration.
1: Chris Bradbeer says it's not just a case of taking down walls and opening everything up though. the new learning spaces need to be carefully thought through to dampen noise and give students a place where they can both make noise and retreat from it. His colleague, Ollie Baker, a year four to six teacher at Stonefield School, has taught in both traditional classrooms and innovative learning environments and agrees the design makes all the difference.
3: Obviously, depending on how they're built, it could be a very, very noisy situation.
1: But noise-absorbing devices can have a slight downside for teachers.
3: Actually, what we've found in this hub is because it's been built with sort of keeping the noise at a minimum in in mind they're actually it's actually quite hard (laughs) to make enough noise sometimes in the whole hub so if we sort of issue an instruction from the side room there it actually won't carry so You'd think it would be incredibly noisy, but because it's been built with noise sort of dampening materials and things like that, it's actually quite quiet. So often it's quite hard to give an instruction throughout the whole hub. Um, And if you do sort of go to a corner or another little edge of like that, it is quite quiet. So while it, it, it seems to be lots and lots of children and you think it would be a lot of noise, if you actually come in during learning time, you'll actually find that it's not so over the top.
1: So, if you need to call a group in from over that end of the room, then you do need to just go over to them. Yeah, actually,
3: we need to go over them. You can't just sort of holler because it does actually dampen the noise right down.
1: Noise. We don't want to hear it. We're mostly under the false impression that we don't make it. And sometimes we're actually just bringing it on ourselves. Teenagers are rarely seen these days without headphones on or at least one earbud in their ear. And that could be putting their hearing at risk. According to the World Health Organisation, 1.1 billion teenagers and young adults are at risk of developing hearing loss from using personal audio devices at damaging levels of sound and from noisy entertainment venues like nightclubs and concerts. The WHO says nearly half of young people in well-off countries listen to unsafe levels of sound through portable music players and smartphones.
2: The amount of hearing loss that you might get is actually related to the intensity of the sound and the length of time that you're exposed. So with a portable device, you can plug your ear into this device and you can go for many, many hours at a level which in fact we know is above the th- potentially above the threshold for causing damage. So the point about these devices is that they actually can give you quite a, a noise dose, quite simply because you've got a device that can give you high levels of noise over extended periods of time.
1: Hearing loss tends to be more associated with the older generation, but audiology professor Peter Thorne says it looks like that's changing.
2: There are some studies where younger people coming into the workforce, for example, there's areas where they might take audiograms and do hearing tests when they come into employment, so like in the military, for example. And those studies are showing that a proportion of youth are coming in with hearing losses. The question is how that's happening, why is it happening, is not really fully understood. The proportion of the population where that might be is still quite small, but it's certainly Occurring evidence suggests that younger people may well be getting some degree of hearing loss from exposures during their teen years.
1: The WHO is currently reviewing the regulation around how loud devices should be allowed to be. Professor Thorne says using devices to block out or mask other noise could be making the problem even worse.
2: If you're in public transport, for example, there's a lot of noise around you, so the only control you've got to be able to see, to, to hear more, the sound that you want to hear better over your device is actually to turn up the volume. And so there's a lot of uh, effort going into making head headsets and headphones and so forth better to, to ensure that the external noise is not um, having an effect on your ability to hear in those noisy environments.
1: So if we're constantly reaching for our devices to block out the noise is it that our world's getting noisier? Acoustics consultant James Whitlock says if you live in Auckland, it probably is.
4: But if you look around and you see the number of cranes that are up in the city at the moment, then you could certainly say in terms of construction noise, certainly there's going to be more noise around than there has been. Uh, I guess you could say the same for transportation. More cars on the road, uh, more trucks on the road, and all those things generate noise.
1: So that's Aucklanders' excuse for being grouchy about the din. But are the rest of us just becoming less tolerant of noise?
4: I'm not sure we're getting less tolerant. I think that uh, the amount of noise that we deal with in an urban environment day to day, the vast majority of people can deal with that, and they just get on and and do what they need to. There's an interesting balance here, because if you walk outside and uh, and it's a busy street, then you'll be exposed to a certain amount of noise. But of course, if you choose to go to a nightclub or to a rock concert you'll be exposed to at least that amount of noise and usually much more. So um, noise and sound are things that we deliberately expose ourselves to and it's only our opinion of the source of that sound as to whether or not uh, we're okay with
1: it. And if you're not, there's always noise-cancelling headphones and recordings of celestial white sound to help you find some of that elusive peace and quiet
0: at a safe listening level, of course. program was written and presented by Teresa Cowie. You can explore and listen to other insights from our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight or head to iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week we hear from young people about the dangers of ending up on the employment scrap heap and what should be done. I'm Philip Atoli and that's all from Insight for today. Join us again next week.